Hello, my name is Blair Murphy and this is The Bishop's Office, a podcast where I talk to members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints about their conversion, missionary service and life experiences. Well, it's been a long time since I've done one of these, but I just couldn't resist the opportunity to talk to Jasmine Ho following her service in the Brisbane Mission. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hello, Jazz. It's great to catch up with you and um, spend a bit of time speaking about your mission. How are you today? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, I guess we should jump straight in, shouldn't we? Um, sure. Before we um, talk about pre-mission, why don't you just, for people who who don't know or can't remember, remind us uh, uh, where you served your mission and from what time until when? Yep, so I served my mission in the Australia Brisbane Mission from September 2020 till February 2022. And we find ourselves in February 2022, so welcome <laughs> home. Thank you. How are you adjusting to being called Jazz or Jasmine instead of Ho? Is that weird for you? Um, it's still a little bit strange, but I'm still getting used to it. I've been adjusting to home a little bit better compared to my first week being home. So yeah. we're getting there. Good, 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 good. Well, um, let's start at the beginning. Is a mission something that you always wanted to do? It's obviously not required of sisters to serve a mission or expected, I should say. You know, have you always wanted to be a, a missionary? Um, I guess growing up, it was always imprinted in my brain, like going on a mission since primary and, um, you know, having friends and family that have served and even my dad. It was always in my brain, but I never really, in my head, I never really thought about it until... I obviously reached the age um, and I wasn't actually really planning on going, but um, I did feel the spirit and I um, I ended up going. And so I was always planning on it, but not 100%. Mm. So yeah. were there particular experiences that led to you, I guess, feeling the spirit? Was, you know, yeah. were you ending some fireside or what was happening in your life yeah. that you uh, were thinking of this as a real option? Well, at first, obviously, I saw my friends um, go on missions and come back home really different and also having friends that um, send weekly emails about their experiences and about how they, they are feeling on the mission. But most importantly, I think one of the biggest events that really um, helped me with the decision on going on the mission was through FSY. Um, I know a lot of people do have their hearts changed through FSY as youth, but I was actually a leader at that time and I was leading over a couple of um, of younger youth and that really changed me throughout the whole week of being around them and being surrounded by missionary experiences and, and return missionaries who share about, about their life and how they've adjusted and how, how it was beneficial for them have really changed me um, and, and really had me look into going on missions first. And mm. from that, I started to to really pray about it and to talk to my parents and also my um my friends and leaders at that time. Mm. And so, was there a moment when you felt like you got this strong answer? Yes, I should serve, or was it something that sort of came gradually, or you just found yourself on a mission? How explain to me how that happened? Yeah. So whilst um praying, it didn't. It took me about a probably almost a year until I actually submitted my paper sad to prepare for it there's actually a time where I had one of my friends I was talking to her and um she came back from a mission and she's a little bit um you know questioning why um certain events happened on her mission and and I remember her um questioning and telling me um 
you know, I I preach the gospel, I preach about eternal families for 18 months, but how come my family um, won't be for eternity? And I remember talking to her about that in that conversation that we had really struck me and how, um, and how important it is to go out there and really help those families that want to be want to be forever and to know the plan that Heavenly Father has prepared for us. I mean, so after that conversation, I felt like the Lord was really answering me and, and telling me that I need to go out there and let them know that their families can be together, just like my family. Um, well, I um, I was your bishop at the time, so I mm-hmm. um, went through that process to some degree with you. And I think we'd been we'd been working on your papers for a little while, and just before submitting them, at least from my perspective, it sort of seemed like maybe you got the wobbles a little bit that you were not not quite sure whether you'd actually submit them. Um, was that correct? Is that how yeah. you were feeling at the time? And was it that experience that sort of changed things, or was it something else? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was actually because I was in uni, and I um, obviously was starting my life straight after high school. I guess I was a little bit still unsure and I kept praying, even though I had that confirmation in FSY, I was still questioning it. But when I had that experience, that was literally like Heavenly Father telling me that I needed to go, that I needed to help these families out there. Mm. So that was definitely the turning point for me. Mm. Cool. How would you describe your testimony before going on a mission? I mean, before the mission, I grew up in the church and I was relying on my parents' testimony um, for sure growing up and I knew like the basic truths, I knew the basic principles and I guess I wasn't 100% knowledgeable but I knew the basic foundation of it but I didn't really know that um, a testimony is something very personal. I didn't understand the idea of um, really acting upon it with with a humble heart until I felt that on the mission, until I've had gained experiences where I needed to pray real with real intent and with um, with a wholehearted heart. Cool. So I guess you're making the distinction between sort of acquiring knowledge about the church and its teachings mm-hmm. versus needing Heavenly Father's help in your life and and how those experiences kind of make the the knowledge that you've gained real. Is that what you mean? Yeah, well... You know, like it's it's good to have knowledge of the gospel, knowing what you need to need to know. But if you don't understand and if you don't act upon it, then I guess that testimony is just going to be a little seed, which I found was my testimony before the mission. Mm. It was a little seed, and I knew and I knew what I needed to do. I knew I knew the gospel, but I didn't know how. I didn't know how I was going to be closer to my heavenly Father to walk that steps to to be closer to Him. Well, um, we'll take some time and I think dig into that a little bit more about how you learned to do that. Um, but before we get there, I guess it's worth acknowledging that you were putting your papers in during COVID, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, you knew at that time that, you know, despite your Filipina heritage, there was it was unlikely that you would go there or anywhere, anywhere else other than Australia. How did that change or or did it change your perspective on a mission did that make it more or or less um, difficult or was that an issue that you were submitting your papers during COVID? I didn't fully submit it just because of COVID till about I think it was probably like May and I didn't get my call till June Mm -hmm. 
And so that kind of stopped it a little bit. And I remember questioning why, why COVID had to happen, why I had to wait that long. And I didn't leave um, for the field until September. Um, and so that was a little bit of a, of a struggle, but definitely within those months where I had to wait, I was able to really find the desire that I needed through preparing more. And I felt like Heavenly Father wanted me to prepare more by doing the, the little things such as um, I tried reading my scripture more often and praying and also really asking my parents for help um, mm. in preparation. You know, I think historically we've always said in the church, look, it doesn't matter where you go on your mission, mm -hmm. it's about serving and all that sort of stuff. But we have really as a culture had a focus on where you serve, right? And with COVID, that's changed, hasn't it? You know, we know we're going to one of the states or territories in Australia for the most part, or it has been the case for the last couple of years. And I guess the focus is really about our willingness to serve and how we're going to serve rather than, than where perhaps. Yeah, well, I actually didn't really mind serving in Australia. Um, I know a lot of people do want to go overseas, which I didn't really mind if I were to go overseas, but I just felt like serving in Australia, being familiar with the culture and being familiar with how things work around the country would be a little bit more of a benefit with missionary work because I'm not struggling with a language. I'm not struggling with, um, I guess, a living situation where I'll, I can focus more in the spiritual aspect for it. So I actually wanted to go to Brisbane before coming on the mission. Awesome. Brisbane was my first choice around Australia since I knew that um, I was going to serve around the country. Well, um, I guess yours was one of the first home MTC experiences, wasn't it? So um, what can yeah. you tell about your MTC experience? Yeah, I was actually the third batch for the home MTC experience um, back in 2020. And it was very different. But I guess with home MTC, it really tested my willingness to, to be there. I wasn't placed in a room with a bunch of other missionaries and you know, having to learn it, but I was stuck in my own room and staring in the computer screen for like eight hours a day, um, learning about the gospel and how to teach it. Um, but it was a really wonderful experience just because I was surrounded with my family and having my home as MTC was definitely a blessing. The spirit was, was more at home and um, I was able to to ask my parents for help and for advice and how I can I can progress and also it really tested my faith and if I wanted to wake up in the morning to join a class or not because it's so easy to just end the call. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. As you think back on that time and it probably feels like forever ago now, but are there any particular experiences that stand out as as meaningful um, during those few weeks you spent in home MTC? Having companionship study. So when you do um, online MTC, you have to get to know your companion, obviously, virtually, and you need to set up a time um, when you want to do comp study together. So outside of the MTC hours, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and so having that relationship with someone that also has the same desire to go on a mission really helped me um, with an experience of, of sharing a a small testimony about what we've learned really helped me with um, with wanting to learn more and having that motivation. Also with um, with MTC during my time, they really pushed for um, social media work and posting what we've learned to posting a quote on, on our stories. So 
I think those special moments where we could share within our companionship, but also as a companionship to social media was a great blessing and letting them know that, hey, we're actually doing MTC online because we're going to be missionaries and everything's different and um, social media is a great platform to to share our testimonies. And that really strengthened my testimony and my desire to share what I learned and, and what my mm. companion and I love about the gospel. Cool. So I guess you start this MTC experience and then you're posting these spiritual thoughts and messages on your personal Facebook pages. Is that what's happening here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, this is interesting, right? Because uh, I served a mission before online missionary work, if you like. So what were the responses you were getting? I mean, you would have had a bunch of friends on Facebook or whatever, and um, presumably you weren't in the habit of sharing messages of that type. What sort of responses did you get from friends and family, both, I guess, within the church and outside of the church as you as you started doing that? Well, at that time, it wasn't really as... um. I guess as big with reactions, but I did see that a bunch of my friends from school that were non-members and a bunch of my friends from the Philippines that weren't members or or less actives, some of them reacted to it, but some of them actually looked at it, which was which was awesome just to see that even if they don't respond and they don't really ask me anything, but they saw it. And I guess maybe that could have helped with their day. But I saw how my friends saw it and and influence them a little bit. Yeah, cool. So um, describe to me what you did on your mission then. Um, you know, um, what were the activities that filled your day? I guess not specifically when you're in times of lockdown and things like that, which I'm sure you had from time to time. But, um, you know, if I think back on my mission, it was a combination of service, knocking on doors, teaching lessons, you know, walking the streets, um, and, and that type of thing. What were you spending your time doing in this new world of missionary work? Yeah, so it's totally different from your experience. Um, in the Brisbane mission, we're a bit lucky just because we didn't have much lockdowns. But during the day, we'd spend obviously our studies. And instead of going out door knocking, we would do contacting. And so Depending on the companionship or with my companionship, we sometimes sit at parks or inside our flat or at the chapel where we would um, go through our area book, which is on our phones. And in the area book, there'd be a bunch of numbers and then people that have been previously taught. So it's separated into different mm-hmm. sections. So you'd have um, previously taught or um, not interested and sections like that where we would call up these people and we would call up to see if they wanted to meet with us, if they were interested in what they were learning before with previous missionaries. Um, And so from contacting, we'd also um, contact our members again. We'd contact our members and ask them if they knew anyone around the area that would benefit from our message or our service or... um, or a spiritual thought just over text or a message over Zoom. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was basically our door knocking, is Mm -hmm. to get to know these previously taught um, um, 
families or individuals and also the members if they had if they had knew, known anyone um, around the area who mm. would want to be helped or yeah um so yeah well that makes a lot of sense and um yeah maybe we'll hear a little bit more about that as you share some of your experiences so in this um, part of our conversation we'd like to give you an opportunity to share the experiences that were most meaningful to you maybe just a couple of questions to prompt those experiences right what did you learn about the gospel's ability to change people's lives were you people that, were there people that you met and just you know you saw as they accepted Jesus Christ and started living um, the principles of the gospel that their lives changed in a dramatic way yeah for sure i've definitely seen how much change the gospel brings into people's lives just by um the little efforts that they do and I really saw how um the Lord really does love effort and um blesses everyone's lives and with an experience along that I saw had one of our our friends and he was only about I think probably around late 30s -hmm. and he wasn't really having a, a, I guess, terrific experience in his life, just with family members and um, situation, living situations and with his life and he wasn't happy at all. But he had a friend that um, comes to church and they play rugby together. And this friend wanted to invite all his friends from rugby to his um, activity, to their activity at church. And mm-hmm. and we met with him there and we um, eventually we did talk to to him and we set up an appointment and we got to know him a little bit and at that time it was more of like a social I guess um interaction rather than wanting to learn more of the gospel Mm -hmm. um and so which was great um we got to know him we kind of like we didn't really teach lessons but we just just shared him like the most basic principles of why they're here at church why his friends wanted to invite him what they did at mutual what what they did at activities at that time it was like elders quorum and and the young men's together mm-hmm. um and later on he wasn't really interested so he was just more of the social side and about a transfer later I was still in the area he messaged and he called us and said hey like I'm not I'm not really happy with my life and I want to meet with you again so we're like okay like maybe something's changed and in between those in between that transfer where we didn't meet we still kept on messaging him just like little basic scriptures or just a how are you text and um and we finally met with him again and we saw how much change he had he told us that he wasn't going to church that he wasn't really interested but he kept praying um and that's something that really stood out to me that even though he wasn't really interested he wasn't wasn't wanting to come to church was unmotivated to do that but he was really motivated to pray and really talk to heavenly father little by little and a simple prayer that as he that he did um really changed him 6 weeks later that he was wanting to wanting to find answers and so this friend of ours actually was baptized about six months later um, when I left the area. And I just saw how much um, the gospel changed him by that one activity that he went with the young men's in the elders quorum. And after that experience, he came home and he wasn't really interested, but he kept praying. And I saw how much the prayer, that prayer changed his life. And he wanted to meet with us again and to to learn more about how he can find answers and why there is a God and why um, we all pray to a God. Um, and I saw the change 
um, in him as he started to do other little things that helped him with his testimony about prayer. Yeah, that's interesting. That's um, that's a cool, cool story. So why do you think, uh, did you guys teach him to pray or did he just know how to pray? Um, and and well, why were you praying, do you think? That activity was actually about prayer. Okay. <laughs> and so it was about, it was like a leap of faith activity. Okay. Yeah, and um, they talked about faith and prayer, and I guess from that activity, that's what he that's what he learned. And so he didn't really he wasn't really interested in any other things but praying. I guess more of like like I said, like he was a very social guy, and so he wanted to talk to someone because he felt alone. And so I think from that activity, he wanted to pray and to talk to someone instead of us. And so from that, um, I guess from praying, he was able to really find comfort and that was his testimony that mm. led him to wanting to meet with us. No, that's super cool. And um, yeah. I, I imagine on the surface, no one had any idea that that activity made any difference to this guy, right? Because it's yeah, not no, on the way out. He's like, hey, thanks for that, guys. I'm going home to start praying regularly now, right? Like it's, um, yeah, it's really yeah. cool. And I also like that Heavenly Father you know, this guy's not an expert prayer, let's say, right? Mm. He He's had a few minutes instruction at this activity, but as soon as he started reaching out, Heavenly Father was there to reach back, right, and to change his heart and to guide him to happiness, greater happiness in his life. That's super cool. cool yeah, story. definitely. Um, now, in your sacrament talk on Sunday, if I remember correctly, you also taught a guy who um, had been taught the gospel in prison. Is that right? Yeah, well, before he was in prison, he was oh, meeting okay. with missionaries. Yeah. Okay, so he was meeting with the missionaries before going to prison, mm-hmm. and then when he got out of prison, he continued the discussion. Tell me that story again. I can't remember the details. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, this friend of ours, he was learning about the gospel before he was in prison. He was ready for baptism, but obviously, um, he ended up in prison, and so he was in there for about eight years, and um. While he was in there, he was still trying to learn more about the gospel and trying to get the Book of Mormon in, in prison. And also um, he kept praying and he, he kept teaching about the gospel to his inmates. Um, but he didn't um, leave until 2020. Did yeah. you know that he'd been recently released from prison and was that something that you were nervous about? Yeah, we actually did know. It wasn't really nerve-wracking just because if you meet him, he's a really, really great guy and he wasn't really anything like um, scary to be around. And I guess praying before going into lessons with him and having members members present during lessons really helped us because the Spirit really, really Mm. confirmed to us that it was the right thing to do. which actually really helped me to to see things in an eternal perspective, um, to see him as my brother, not as someone who was recently released from prison. Yeah, awesome. So yeah. you were saying you weren't aware that he was on parole at the time. So yeah, and that's yeah. because traditionally, uh, well, it's there's a, a church policy that people on parole can't get baptized, right? Um, yeah. Unbeknownst to you, you're teaching him the gospel, and and so what's happening there? Yeah, so we're teaching him the gospel and he's awesome. He really knew um, the gospel really well just from his studies and and he wanted to learn more from us and he really felt the spirit during our lessons with him and he had his family around him as well whenever we taught him. We 
prayed about him. We prayed together about his baptismal um, decision. And so we set him on baptismal day. And the first baptismal day had to be pushed back by a couple of weeks just because of trialing times for him and his family. And so with the second baptismal day, about a week before, we found out that he was on parole. And so we actually didn't find out through him. We found out through the bishop. And because he, he saw that we put him on, on date and he told us that he was on parole, that he can't be baptized. And so we ended up telling John, that's his name, and um, he obviously was really devastated about, about not being able to be baptized. But he sent us this really long message later on and, and told us that he was willing to wait for another eight years, that he was willing to, to come to church to be himself and to do everything that he can until he's released on parole and to be able to be baptized and, and married to his um, partner at that time. And he wanted to meet with our mission president as well, which he did. And our mission president um, met with him and, and got to know him and his background and, and opened up to him about his situation. And, and president, after his interview, told us that he really felt prompted that John should be baptized, but he didn't really know how that could happen. Mm because um, obviously it's not um, under him. And so they looked into it legally um, and he wouldn't be released on parole till 2025. Mm-hmm. So there was a big gap of, of wait. So that was about like a four-year gap until he could be baptised. And and President um, prayed about it together with us and also um, his wife. And he felt the need to, to send an email to the First Presidency about John's situation, about what he's been through and about his testimony and, and how he felt about John, which was amazing because three days later when President sent that email, we got an email back from the first presidency from President Nelson himself saying that he will allow the baptism to happen. Um, so the baptism was allowed, but he wasn't able to receive the priesthood as of yet. Mm-hmm. But... He was allowed to be baptized and he was baptized and um, was legally married to his, his wife as well. So that was a really a big miracle for us after our prayers and, and our fasting and meeting John consistently. Yeah, it was a great testimony for me being so young on the mission as well. Yeah, I think um, on your mission, you know, you get exposed to real life. Hey. You get yeah, to, for sure. Because we grow <laughs> up in these. Ideally, we grow up in these good families where we're trying to live the gospel, and we manage to avoid many. You know, lives aren't perfect and without bumps in the road, but we get to avoid many. Well, no, no one in my family that I'm aware of has gone to prison. Let's put it that way. Yeah, right? neither. <laughs> um, and um, it's it's just such an eye opening experience, isn't it? And to for see sure. how the gospel can bless. Everyone and every walk of life, I think, is such a testimony builder. The thing that stood out to me as you were retelling that story now is the humility that John demonstrated, right? Mm -hmm. Is that he said, you know, I believe this is true, right? I believe this is how I should be living my life. And if that means I have to wait until after I come off parole in many years' time, I'm willing to do that. You know, that's, that's one response. The other response is, hey, I can't believe you won't accept me for who I am. I'm trying my best. You know, there could have been a really yeah. prideful, angry, negative response. Well, right? that's what we were scared of, that he was going to walk away. Well, obviously, you know, he was upset, which is normal. Yeah, yeah. But he just 
turned around and said, you know what, I will wait until as long as I can Mm. until I'm able to be baptised. Yeah, it's a great lesson for all of us, isn't it? You know, when we're faced with setbacks. And in this case, this is the church that he has developed a belief in telling him, no, you can't join, right? Yeah. Which is like a direct in your face, right? But I guess it's an interesting lesson and example for all of us as we're faced with challenges. We have the option, don't we, of of how we respond. We can respond with anger and offense or we can respond with humility. And um, fortunately, in this case, it all turned out for the best. But, you know, it could have been that Heavenly Father's will for him was to wait until the end of parole. And we trust in Heavenly Father, don't we? And his knowledge of what we need to become the people that we need to become. Yeah, Mm. for sure. That was, yeah, that was a great lesson for me to first look things in an eternal perspective in terms of, you know, our brothers and sisters out there. Um, And the second is to really put his will before ours. Um, And it's always in his timing and his plan. And John knew that and that's what he taught me. Mm. Awesome. Cool. Um, So as we were sort of doing, uh, talking about your MTC experience, you talked about, um, well, your testimony and how there were experiences that sort of made it real for you. Were there tough times on your mission where you really needed to rely on your Heavenly Father? Can you share some of those experiences with us? Definitely. There's multiple um, occasions where that happened. Um, I think one of my hardest situations were definitely, I think, My mission wasn't really as hard as I expected it to be until I had some tough companions and also when um, it was really hard to find people because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so the first one with tough companions is um, having companions that have been um, out on their missions for so long. Um, I had companions where they were out about 30 months um, and 28 months and so that was really challenging to be to be around those missionaries I prayed a lot (laughs) I really prayed a lot and I remember just praying and and crying about it and asking Heavenly Father what is there that I need to do in this companionship and in this area and I remember with this companion specifically um, our area was really hard to work with no one was referring themselves on social media Um, No one was um, referring their friends um, to us to teach and all our friends were um, eternal investigators is what we like to call it. People who have been meeting with missionaries for a long time but not necessarily progressing. Not really progressing, yeah. And so I realised that all I could do was really pray and so I really learnt how to talk to Heavenly Father. I learnt how how to tell them how I felt, how my companion felt what we've been doing and what and asking him what we need to do. And I remember the difference of like at the start of this, I guess, um, trial was just praying and, and complaining. Mm. Um, and later on it progressed to Heavenly Father, I want to make this better. What do you need me to do? Mm. And I learned how to follow the spirit when he answered me. So what answers came? Um, is to love them definitely was the first one is to love them and and the second one was to build relationship with members Mm -hmm. Um, did you get inspiration as to how to show your love for them or was that did you know how to do that already I mean not like a, a specific one that I can remember but I remember just for some reason I just woke up one day and I just felt like I needed to serve them 
it wasn't really like an experience where you need to do this, you know. Mm-hmm. It was more of like, I feel like I need to I need to serve them today as little as helping them clean or as little as um doing the dishes for them, mm-hmm. which turned into, you know, big services um, later on with, with them that showed my love. And so I think loving by serving was the most help that I got to genuinely loving them as companions. Did you know that before that inspiration came? Did you know that if you would serve them that you would develop a love for them? Is that something you've been taught before? Yes, but I never really acted upon it. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, cool. I just think that is miraculous, right? I think of all the miracles, Heavenly Father's ability to help change our hearts is one of the greatest miracles, right? Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, there was some frustration and there was some disappointment and there was some tension in those relationships. But with with sincere prayer and a sincere desire to, to resolve and improve those situations, Heavenly Father could help you. Um, what a wonderful message for our families, right? I think in in many of our families, there's relationships that need the Savior's healing. Um, And just it's wonderful that we can get that healing. So I think you said there were two experiences that you were going to share on that topic of of hard times. So one was your companions. What was the other one? Mm -hmm. The other one was just finding finding people in one of our areas. All the um, people that were taught were just uninterested and it was really hard to find. Um, we tried everything from social media to to members to previously taught families, um, less actives and, and part member families, and it was really hard. And I remember just calling up all these numbers, calling up all these names over and over again for, like, the whole transfer. Nothing came. Like, there was literally, like, nothing. We were teaching about two people, but they told us that they needed a break from it and that they weren't really um I'm interested after all um and I remember just being so heartbroken from it just asking Heavenly Father why my companion and I are hardworking we're obedient why are we getting all these blessings and again I needed to humble myself and I remember praying with my companion and just really asking for someone that could help us or what's one thing that we can do to to find this particular person that that he wanted us to to teach and nothing came for about another two weeks it was already the second transfer that we were already in this area I remember this one point where we were contacting I was really bored from contacting just being inside the flat and just consistently hearing that the number is disconnected or they're not interested or you've been blocked or whatever I just remember just being like, Heavenly Father, what am I doing here? I'm not a call center agent. <laughs> like, this is not what I'm out here for. And I remember this feeling of just like, this feeling just went um, like all over me and was just like, it's okay. You'll find that person if you build relationship with members. And I remember that specific feeling of just like, just go build relationship with members and I told my companion this and I told her that maybe we should call up members instead of these um investigators um which we did and we set up appointments just asking if we could come for visits for about like 15 minutes just to share a spiritual thought or just to introduce ourselves and if they had any activities over zoom or in person or any family and evenings that they were holding for the next few weeks that we were in the area 
And so we did that. So we built relationship with members and we went to this one of um activities in the ward, which is a fast breaker. Mm-hmm. And we met this man and and this man is really enthusiastic about missionary work. And so I thought at the start that we were going to to get an investigator to teach, but we met this guy who actually taught us on how we can be a bit better with missionary work. And so we met this guy, his name is Gene um, Handerside, and he um he taught us on how we can be a bit, I guess, more bold and more um, to think outside the box and how we can, can find these people. And from what he said, we acted upon what he said, um, which was to to don't say, yes, it's okay that you're not interested, to actually ask them why they're not interested. And so not just letting them go, but really be genuinely be loving and, and being ourselves and not robots as missionaries over the phone. And so we acted upon this and we um, did some contacting once again. And at that time, my companion and I prayed and asked which um, families we should contact. And we came across this family in um, under the part member families list from our ward. And we contacted them and we um, we set up an appointment, which was really surprising because they answered the phone and they wanted to meet with us. So that was a big blessing. And so a couple, a week later, sorry, a week later, we met with them and we we found that they had about five non-members in the household. And so we were able to build relationship with them and got to know them a little bit. And the wife wasn't a member and they had five kids that were they were non-members, but they were wanting missionaries over, but they just didn't know and didn't really have the courage to to contact missionaries. And so this family was right there on the list this whole time. But Heavenly Father was sort of testing us a little bit with our faith. Like he doesn't, he doesn't want to food speed us with these answers, but he wanted to learn and wanted us to learn and he wanted us to really pray to him and ask him sincerely. And so this family, um, when I left the area, is now being taught by the missionaries, by the current missionaries, which is amazing to hear that they are really willing to learn more. And it was because of us and because of our prayers and our continuous faith and wanting to find this family that was that was there the entire time looking for us. Yeah, that's cool. Um, just one question about that prompting that you had to work with the members. Mm-hmm. Um, did you hear a voice? Was it a feeling? Was it an idea? Like how did that inspiration come? It was a mixture of feeling and a voice. I remember feeling just really devastated. I felt really calm when after that, when I asked Heavenly Father, I remember just feeling so calm and and this voice in my head just said, how about you go call some members up? How about you build relationship with members even more? So after feeling that, I was like, okay, maybe we should do that. And then two days later, we had a district council meeting and our um, zone leader was there. And I remember doing accountability where we talked about our areas and what we were struggling with and what we should do. And I remember his specific words were, go build relationship with your members. and so our companion and I looked at each other and were like wow like that is literally Heavenly Father telling us to do that and when we did we were able to find that family that really needed us awesome thanks for sharing that well maybe just a couple of questions to finish then um so you're, you're home for a couple of weeks now how are you different because of your missionary service do you think um um definitely my testimony has become stronger um, and my, it's my Christ-like attributes are kind of showing more now. 
Um, I think I'm definitely more loving and more aware of others because of the experiences that I've had on my mission. But also seeing everyone as my brothers and sisters has definitely been something really big to me. And wanting to wanting to serve um, has been such a big difference within serving within my family, within my friends, and wanting to wanting to be a little bit more kinder to those I come in contact with. But definitely my testimony has grown and my ability to be more organized and willingly to to read the scriptures and to really study out um study more and read more on general conference talks mm-hmm. and wanting to be surrounded by people with um, in the same faith I saw the difference in that wanting to be surrounded by by um, my friends in the church and my family speaking of your family I think um I spoke to your mum just as you were coming back and she had I think I asked you a question, something like, you know, what's the one thing you learned on your mission or something like that? And I think your response was Jesus Christ's atonement. Is that is that an accurate representation of the conversation you had with your mum? Is that yeah. So what what made you say that? What is it that you learned about the atonement on your mission and, and how do you think that you learned it? There's so much that I've learned. Um, obviously one from seeing people change was a big part of it seeing people like John and like um, Marcus and all these um, friends that we taught and the ability of the atonement has to change people's hearts. But most importantly, I saw how personal the atonement was and that act of love was specifically for me. And it's, you know, and it's enabling power. It really, I think from learning how Heavenly Father sent his His Son, Jesus Christ, to atone for us really helped me throughout my mission every day when I, when I used it, when I felt tired, when I felt sad or when I felt really happy or when I was struggling. I knew that that's what Jesus Christ had felt in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm. And it helped me build my relationship with with Jesus Christ because he knows what I'm going through Um, and he knew that what I was going through on the mission was something that he's already been through if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like it really testified to me that Jesus Christ was there to help me because he's already been through this and he's been through this way worse than I have and I think just learning about the atonement more and teaching it as well and seeing it, seeing the miracles from the atonement within my life and within the life of lives of others that I've, I've seen um, really made me feel very comforted and um, very loved by my Heavenly Father and it gains my testimony and how the atonement is real and that the atonement is is something that we should really use every day and it's a process to learning the atonement and and knowing how to use it and asking for forgiveness of all our little little mistakes and little I guess pride that we have within us. Now finally um, obviously there's people who are at the stage of their lives um, where they're contemplating going on a mission or, or preparing to serve um, and perhaps particularly for young women who might be contemplating serving, 
is there any advice that you'd have for all those who are in that situation? I guess to really surround yourself with the right people and also knowing your why. Like why are you, why are you wanting to, to go on a mission? Why do you think the church sent out missionaries? That was one thing that really helped me know my purpose as a missionary. I um, is to understand why they would send young, um, young single adults on missions anywhere in the world to preach the gospel and also um, by really counselling with your family and also your leaders and knowing yourself more in the testimony that you have because once you, once you know your testimony and once you know who you are as a daughter of God, you understand why you're here on earth and your purpose here is to, to help those friends that we have to come closer to him because we're so privileged to have this gospel. And if you're someone who's um, thinking of going on a mission, think about the love that you can, you can sacrifice for others so they can also find that happiness within their family. And I saw how much it blessed me and also blessed the life, the life of my family when I served because I saw how much joy others have because of me and because of the message that I had to share with them. And that happiness and joy that I felt cannot be um, replaced with anything else because I knew that I helped that specific family or that specific individual to to be baptised and to to walk that covenant path that Heavenly Father wants him to take. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me and to share more about your mission. It's been it's been really nice to hear some more of those experiences that you had. And welcome home. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jazz. It continues to amaze me just how much of an impact a mission can make on somebody's life. I'm not sure when I'll be back for another episode, but that's all I have for you now until I speak to you again here in the Bishop's Office.